Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Maeve Marsden, and you're listening to Queer Stories 2020, the special edition of the Queer Stories podcast, written and recorded at home. This last episode is aptly titled Community, And as we air it, it's wonderful to see queer spaces and cultural events coming back to life here in Australia. This week I'm headed to Dalesford in Victoria to host Queer Stories for Chill Out Festival. Last week I was able to go to Brisbane to host a massive event there. It feels incredible to be performing for rooms of queers again. These opportunities to come together are integral. Both of today's stories are about community or about the impact on so many of us when we lost access to community in 2020. The first story is by Miss Catalina, a proud Samoan Fafaina trans woman. She is the host of Australia's first LGBTQIA plus multicultural cooking show presented by Thorn Harbour Health. She's one of three founders of Trans Pride March Melbourne and a founding member of Trans Sisters United. Hi everyone, it's Miss Catalina here and I'm recording from my bedroom. I would like to acknowledge the Rwandri people of the Kulin Nation on whose land I am on. I would also like to acknowledge the elders past, present and emerging. Talofalava, Malolelei, Fakalofaatu, Womajika and welcome everyone. In early 2013, I had an epiphany. I was at home over the weekend watching TV and I had a bowl of salt and vinegar chips on one side and a bowl of ice cream on the other. And something came to me and said, I need to do more. At that same time, I was enjoying my snack. So at first, I ignored those signs. From out of nowhere, that voice inside kept telling me to do something better, something more meaningful. And thank goodness it wasn't talking about me going on a diet. I wasn't heavily part of the community at that time, just here and there. I was happy being in my own bubble, but this message kept coming through, so I thought, Well, I am very shy, so maybe it meant starting my own YouTube channel to deal with my shyness and to show trans visibility. So I opened a new YouTube channel, but I didn't post anything until three years later. The first video I posted was Carl Stefanovic's apology for using a derogatory term when referring to our trans community. A few months after that night, I had another epiphany, as if I wasn't happy with the first one. The message was, 
I needed to do something bigger. I was reluctant because I don't like to be at the front. I remember this idea of doing a trans pride march came into my head. And I thought, how to the no? At that time, I didn't think I was worthy enough to start such an important event in the trans calendar. I hadn't done anything other than be part of TS Chit Chat, a well-known trans YouTube channel by Lily Chang back in 2011. I struggled with that for many years because it was like I had been chosen to do this. But at the same time, I didn't want to do it. Over that time, I have matured and grown. By 2019, I thought I might be ready. In Melbourne, there are many different divisions in the trans community. Divided because for some of our trans community, we have to try and balance the Western way of living versus our traditional culture upbringing. There is very little support for trans people of colour or anything that would make trans people of colour want to be part of anything. A Pride March seemed like a perfect opportunity where we could come together and learn about the different segments in our community. In August 2019, I put my time and effort into researching how to organise a march. I knew that I needed to get some help, so I asked my two sisters from Trans Sisters United, Rebecca Loveday and Sasha Siddiq, to come on board and help me to organise this event. And so I also asked them to host the rally. Sasha Siddiq and I met over 15 years ago. She had just arrived from Singapore and we instantly connected. She was someone that I wish I could be at that time. She was confident, not shy at all, and loud. And I was the complete opposite. Sometimes for me to be heard, I have to reach deep down somewhere and reach for that inner Sasha in me or else I get lost in the crowd. Rebecca Loveday I already knew of through my friend Kelly back in 2018. Rebecca at that time was an employment consultant and was helping Kelly secure a job and Kelly would come home and tell me all the tea on Rebecca because it was so rare for us to hear of trans folks with just a regular office job. So for me, I was like, wow, this is really amazing. I eventually met Rebecca via Facebook. We were both commenting under a post about music and I didn't realize it was her at that time. Months later, Rebecca told me she was a host for the Gender Agenda on Joy 94.9 and wanted to interview me about being an up-and-coming music DJ. We met for the first time at Joy and it was like meeting an old friend 
that I had not seen in years. We got on so well, but Rebecca is like that with everyone. She makes people feel like they are old buddies. I still wasn't sure how to organize the rally, as there was some conflicting information online. I had read in a post by the City of Melbourne that you needed to contact the State Library first and advise about the rally. But a handful of other groups that have done rallies had mentioned they hadn't actually contacted the State Library. They just rocked up with their megaphones, posters and just protested. We were already signed out to march for slut walks. So I thought, maybe I'll just ask them for advice. A week after that march, I messaged them and they gave me every single detail and steps that we had to do. Right after the slut walk rally, me, Rebecca and Sasha headed off to Grill for our first Trans Pride meeting. It was such a beautiful moment planning a Trans Pride march over burgers and fries. I think all meetings should be done over food, especially if you want my input. It's where I can be the most creative when food is present. Hmm, I'm thinking of food. What's for dinner tonight? One of the first things we needed to do first was have a logo. So I asked Tony K. Fretton, a fellow proud Fa'afafine and the founder of Pacific X, uh, which is Victoria's first LGBTQI plus Pacifica group, to design our logo. We wanted something the trans community would be able to connect with. We kept it simple with the colours and used the trans symbol. Tony did such an amazing job. In our meeting over those yummy burgers and fries, Rebecca suggested that we hold a meeting for our community members and allies. I was so nervous. What if people didn't turn up? I only put out just 10 chairs and then I started to see more and more people arrive. I ended up filling up the whole room. I even had chairs that blocked the entrance to the meeting room. And we also had some people standing. It was packed. Right there and then, I realized that this is something our community was longing for. The meeting was such a success. I was overwhelmed with so much support. And all I kept thinking was, is there any pizza left? No, seriously. I mean, I was thinking that, but also how the trans community would feel once the day came. And just imagining people coming together to unite. I understood it was going to be hard work, but moving forward, I knew it would pay off. The next task was finding speakers and performers. One thing I knew before starting this was I needed to make sure there was going to be inclusion of people of color from the trans community. This was really important to me because in the past 20 years living in Melbourne, 
I noticed with many LGBT events that I attended, there were really any people of color on stage or at the table. So I didn't want that to happen at this event. Everyone that I asked to speak at the rally said yes. I asked those who I thought were really inspiring and had something to say to uplift our community. I wanted to ensure we were also inclusive of those living with a disability, young folks, our elders, and I believe we did an awesome job. Ro Allen, the Victorian Commissioner for Gender and Sexuality, advised us that the Federation Square may be interested in supporting us. I contacted Federation Square and had many after many negotiations with Sarah, the events manager. And they agree to come on board as our main sponsors for the Trans Pride concert at the Federation Square main stage. I could not believe what I was reading. I was crying and so many things were going through my head. Just the thought of Federation Square supporting us was huge, a big deal. We had the main stage and the thought of our performers utilising that famous stage that Oprah Winfrey and many other legends had once been on. Trans Pride March Melbourne is about celebrating our community by passing the mic to trans folks who are not often heard but have something to say, to sing and dance about. Passing the mic and not just sharing it. That was really important to me. Trans Pride March Melbourne was to coincide with Transgender Day of Visibility, which is every year on the 31st of March. On the 13th of March, due to the COVID-19 epidemic creeping fast and affecting many Victorians, there were so many organisations cancelling their own events. That put more pressure onto me to make the decision, do I go on or do I cancel? I made my decision and not one made lightly, but I thought about the safety of our community. So I decided to cancel the Trans Pride March. And two weeks after that, our government announced strict restrictions which included stopping all public events. This also meant not being able to speak at Queer Stories earlier in the year. The decision was mostly left up to me to decide and it was really difficult for me. I didn't want to cause any dramas. If I said yes to go ahead or say no and have everyone be so disappointed in me. But it was only two weeks away. But one of our members, Christina, mentioned something that really helped me make my decision a bit easier. She stated, 
there will be lots of our community that won't take the risk and won't attend. Therefore, they will miss out. And that was enough for me to decide to cancel the lunch. On the day of what would have been the Transpride March, I remember being at home, just looking outside the window, and I really didn't think this feeling of sadness would just show up, because I was okay the day before. But I think I had been so busy doing other things, it just hit me all at once. I instantly took blame and felt like such a big failure, because many times I've tried to start something or participate in something, and then I quit halfway. But those times, I didn't care because it only involved me. This time, I had other people to answer to, and other people were relying on me. I felt disappointed, embarrassed, and ashamed. I didn't want to speak to anyone. So I stayed off social media for a while. And now we are in lockdown for the second time in Victoria. Since both lockdowns, I wasn't able to see Sasha and Rebecca at all. And I haven't seen them physically since March. A lot of Sasha's work in the film industry was cancelled. And she started baking at home more than ever. And mind you, she's like a chef. The food she cooks and how she displays her food for her Instagram is all restaurant quality. Rebecca continued to work remotely for some parts of her job, but because she works in helping finding shelter for the homeless, it was difficult. Also, during our first lockdown, she entered one of the first ever online pageants, Miss Trans Global, which is owned by trans activist Miss Sahara from the UK. And Rebecca came first runner-up. As for me, well, although I lost my casual job in March due to COVID-19, but I never gave up. Looking for work during these times has been really challenging because it's like now over 500 people applying for the one job. But now I have a new gig. I'm now the host for the first LGBTQIA plus multicultural cooking show presented by Thorn Harbour House called The Bent Spoon. Thorn Harbour House have been nothing but just amazing in looking after me during these challenging times. This has been a long dream of mine. So thank you to Jesse and Murray for making that right decision, the best decision. Organising the Transpired March Melbourne, I wanted our community to march in solidarity with our black trans sisters, brothers and siblings from the United States, South America, 
Pakistan, Africa, Russia, and other places where our trans community are not protected by their own country and state. And I also wanted our trans community in Victoria to march for our own visibility on issues that matter to us the most. I hope one day soon we will be able to have that march we dreamed of. Trans Day of Visibility falls on March 31st and there are events happening around Australia so be sure to check them out. Or if you're listening from somewhere that's still in lockdown, you can participate online. Our next story is by Alex Gallagher. Alex is a multidisciplinary artist living and working on unceded Gadigal land. Their work has appeared in Overland, The Guardian, Vice, Junkie and Kill Your Darlings, among others. Their first book, Parenthetical Bodies, was released in 2017. They're also a bassist and singer in queer punk band Sportsbra. three years uh, I've played bass and sung uh, in a band called Sportsbra, uh, as Maeve mentioned. We have two records out. Um, we play a style of music uh, that one might generously categorize as punk rock. We, we're all big uh, gays, and while, <laughs> while I'm reluctant to categorize the music as such, it would appear to be the case um, that there is, in fact, an ineffable kind of queerness that permeates the general uh, milieu of what it is that we do. Last year, uh, we did our first uh, like full tour of Australia. Um, we did 15 shows over 17 days, opening for a band from America that, um, while great, play a style of music that is in many ways different to ours. Um, it's more aggressive and it's more broadly conceptual um, and they are far, far, far more popular. From the outset, uh, our announcement as primary, uh, actually only support for this band's tour is not met with widespread excitement. Comment sections of posts announcing the news are split pretty evenly down the middle between uh, people who were hoping that somebody else would be announced. Um, these alternative options are like not for nothing, all bands made up entirely of uh, straight men. Um, I'm just, it's not like a big deal. I don't, <laughs> I don't make a whole thing of it. Um, I'm just saying. Uh, the other half uh, are people who've given us a listen for the first time in light of the news and felt powerful indifference. Just like true, true indifference. Just real middle of the road. Uh, undeterred, we, we crack on, you know, we fly to the other side of the country for the first stop of the tour, which is in Perth. Um, we, we meet up with the band that we're touring with, um, and they're, like, kind, and they're, you know, generous folks, uh, and they're immediately welcoming and accommodating, um, and it's, you know, it's great. Um, and, you know, and for a while, things are, are great. We play an excellent set, enjoyed by a not insignificant amount of people. Um, I rapidly hoover the alcohol rider. Uh, we're, we're all good. 
Uh, over the next few weeks, I feel more visible and exposed than perhaps I ever have. Night after night, we drive to a venue uh, and play songs about queerness and trauma, um, and in many instances, queer trauma. Uh, and some nights we're like really fucking on, you know, friends from other cities turn up and watch us and hang out and it's good. The best nights are the ones when there's obviously people who give a shit about what it is that we do. Um, you know, queer kids who come out and get it and, and relate to it, and that feels pretty special and, and worthwhile. Uh, some nights, shit is decidedly not on. Midway through the tour, we play in a regional Victorian town to a crowd of generously a dozen people, almost all of which are scrolling on their phones or uh, loudly talking to their friends. Sometimes it's a weird mix, uh, such as on the multiple occasions that we're packing up the van and uh, preparing to leave the venue at the end of the night, uh, and someone will approach us and say something to the effect of, you know, I saw you come on stage, and I really thought I would hate it. Like, I really thought that I would fucking hate it. Uh, but then you played, and it was fine. Um, I, I, I'm like relatively sure that this is like straight dude code, but like that was really great. I really enjoyed it. I sincerely enjoyed it the way that straight men are allowed to sincerely enjoy things. <laughs> touring, uh, touring is a lot of fun. Uh, it's also pretty hard work. To keep expenses low, we keep it pretty basic. We largely sleep on friends' floors um, and we largely tour in a van borrowed from our guitarist's housemate's ex-boyfriend. Uh, it's cramped, the air conditioner doesn't work. We all slowly, collectively start to lose our minds. By the time we arrive in Wollongong, the 12th stop, we are, uh, to put it delicately, fucked. We're exhausted and the city is in the midst of a torrential downpour. Uh, we sound check at the venue, which is an Irish pub, where a crowd of middle-aged to elderly men stare at us with a look somewhere between contempt and incredulity. When I say I've never felt more visible, this is kind of what I mean. Uh, the worst show is in a, 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 a stop in Queensland at a hotel on the Gold Coast. Uh, we sound check with a sound guy who is already like super checked out by the time we start setting up using a, a preset rather than actually like adjusting our levels for us. It's only after our tour manager uh, exchanges some stern words that he agrees to actually properly sound check us and, and you know put effort into making a sound the way that we want to sound. I think that my favorite thing about being a trans queer person in a band full of trans queer people would have to be how respected and treated seriously I feel all the time. <laughs> so respected, just absolutely filled to the gills, balls to the wall, overwhelmed, with how respected I feel. We play to a smattering of people who, uh, again, are largely on their phones or talking loudly to the person next to them. I am nothing if not petulant, uh, and so I adopt a strategy that is admittedly a, a little juvenile, uh, where I, I think if I play louder and if I you know, shout the lyrics a bit more aggressively, they won't be able to talk amongst themselves. Uh, it's, it's kind of silly and it doesn't really work. Um, I sort of forget that people can also raise their voices. 
um, that it does feel a little bit better, which brings me to my next point. Uh, this whole time I'm kept going primarily by two things. The first is the people I love, um, my bandmates, you know, our weird little scrappy gay emo band. Touring forces you to become very comfortable with the people around you in y y these like intense and intimate ways. Um, and I feel an overwhelming amount of warmth and love for the people that I play music with. The other thing that keeps me going, naturally, is spite. <laughs> the thing about spite is that it's like already an underrated motivator to begin with. Um, that said, queer spite may indeed be like one of the most powerful catalysts that exists. I am gonna play these stupid little songs for you, whether you like it or not, and we are gonna finish this whole thing despite one to four of us being on the verge of crying at any given time. Spite is queer culture. I will not be taking questions on this opinion at this time. Uh, and eventually we do, we do finish. You know, we play the final show. It's on the Sunshine Coast, uh, and it feels quietly triumphant. We play well, uh, we say our goodbyes to our tour mates and begin the long journey in the air-conditionless van back to Sydney. I arrive home and I don't really know what to do with myself. Uh, I pace around the house, I sit down and stand up and sit back down again. I didn't really know how to approach writing a piece for this edition of Queer Stories. I didn't want to write about the pandemic. Um, and apart from that, this tour was kind of the last really interesting thing to happen to me before we all got shut down. Uh, but I've been thinking about this period a lot, given that we're currently unable to play shows at all, or like really, you know, much less tour, um, given, you know, the whole <laughs> thing. Tua has a really strange momentum. Uh, it's, it's got its own system of time that doesn't really have anything to do with the real world. It's a bizarre concept. You know, you spend the majority of the day waiting in a van. You turn up to the venue, and apart from soundcheck, what you're mostly doing is waiting. Um, you get up and you play for like 40 minutes, and it feels good, and it feels great, and then the clock resets, and you're waiting again. In a lot of ways, I feel similar lately. A lot of what I'm doing feels like waiting at the moment. Mostly, I've been thinking about what taking up space is like um, as a person who, you know, is not always able to move around the world without, um, you know, feeling hyper-conscious. When I talk to bands full of straight white men about what touring is like, they are often full of like these wild stories about what a fun, crazy time they had. Um, our story is that we tried to tour the country and almost all uh, experienced nervous breakdowns. Six months later, we play our first proper show uh, since the tour end ended. It's a Mardi Gras party and it's like in our bubble. That feels strange in different ways. I don't really know that anyone wants to hear like sad emo guitar songs while dancing and doing a lot of drugs. Uh, but people are into it and, and I'm reminded that, you know, playing music can feel good uh, and taking up space can feel good and being around community like tonight can feel good. And I, I can't wait to do it again.
Thanks for listening to this episode and to the entire Queer Stories 2020 series. Remember, you can get more Queer Stories episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate, review and subscribe while you're there. Follow Queer Stories on Facebook for event updates and photos and follow me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter and Instagram. This project was made possible with funding from the City of Sydney and from my supporters on Patreon. For as little as $1 per month, you can help make Queer Stories happen. Thank you and thanks to all the contributors to Queer Stories 2020. I hope to see you in a sweaty gay bar soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.